Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we are back to our Missing Pieces side series, taking a look at some slightly older movies, not not classics in the sense of 30, 40 years ago, but stuff from the last 20 years that we didn't get to cover on the show because... Well, the show didn't exist yet. And today we are going back to 2004 to the Charlie Kaufman, Michelle Gondry, Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which honestly I think is one of the greatest movies ever made. My guest, Catherine Gonzalez, also feels that way, and we had a great time talking about it. It's been a, uh, a pretty big Charlie Kaufman month for the podcast lately. Obviously, we just covered I'm Thinking of Ending Things, his new film on Netflix, and also his book, Ant Kind. And so uh, it's been great getting a chance to dig back into all of these movies and projects and I, I, I just love getting into that headspace because it just gives you just so much to chew on, you know? It's just great. I love them so much. But let's uh, enough with the gushing. We'll gush during the conversation. Before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And follow us on social media, at PiecingPod. We also have a Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and everything else going on in the world of movies. And uh, other than that, I just want to say I appreciate all the support lately. We've been getting a lot of new listeners, a lot of great feedback on the show. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate all you that are out there listening. And... You know, if you are listening and you haven't yet, we'd really appreciate more feedback. We always like hearing what people are thinking of the show. And so, yeah, get in touch. You know, you could, like I said, review us or just, you know, tweet at us or whatever. I'd love to hear what you're thinking of the show. And if you'd ever like to join me for an episode, do get in touch with me because I'm always looking for new co-hosts. Just so many movies coming up for us to cover. And, of course, getting into these missing pieces and breaking it apart episodes to... uh, get back to some classics. So anyway, with all that said, let's jump into this conversation about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So uh, today on the show, we've got with us Kat from Shuffle Online. How's it going, Kat? I'm good. How are you? Happy to Uh, be back. Yeah, I'm glad to finally get you back on the show. It's been a little while, but uh, 
This is going to be an interesting conversation. As we were just saying before we like really started rolling here, uh, this is a movie that we could dig into so deeply and have, we, we could probably just hit record, talk for an hour, hit stop, <laughs> and then record a whole second hour and like not even like cover the same thing twice. So that's what this movie feels like to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very excited to talk about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You suggested this as a possibility for this Missing Pieces series. So I want to like kick it off by just kind of getting into uh, just briefly like what made you think of this one and what this movie, you know, means to you. Yeah, I think um, when you had reached out to me about like um, thinking about an old movie that was a fave or whatever to talk about, that one just popped out because it was such a pivotal moment uh, or movie in my life, um, especially mm-hmm. as like in terms of just um, like expanding my um, like film knowledge and also just as a person because I think I watched this movie in high school it was 2004 so I probably watched it a few years after that or at the same time I can't remember and then I would Mm -hmm. watch it a lot in college and my mid-20s and it just would hit as a movie it's just so good like I love the sci-fi the the romance uh, the music I remember watching it for the first time and it just blew my mind in that way um Mm. And then on a personal level, like, of course, if you're going through the teenage romance, boys or girls, whatever, sure, it, 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 it would just hit me because it's like erasing someone that you loved um, that maybe didn't love you back or erased you first. Um, and you're just mm-hmm. going from all those emotions. And I remember thinking in college as well, I wish I could erase some people. <laughs> Um, just like Joel and Clementine uh, did to each other. But then you realize um, as well that that pain that you go through, especially with, you know, when you're going through those like first loves and even second, third loves or whatever, and you go through these things that they make you who you are and you have to grow from it. And I think that's why I love it so much um, because I went through all those, you know, somewhat bad experiences, but I look back at it now um, just thinking, uh, oh man, like I had to go through those things to know how to get to a better thing. Sure. And yeah, I just, I just remember it being like hitting me so hard. And also something I realized in prepping for this episode mm-hmm. is that it is really for me indescribable in some ways. I think it hits things that I can't even describe emotionally. And I think that's the beauty of like the writing and, and the movie is that it really has that deep insight to like examining this relationship. And even if you're not a Clementine or a Joel, you've had some semblance of their relationship or other things um, that really like will hit you in some way, at least it did for me. And I think that's why um, every time I watch it, it just is so much better than the last time I watched it. Um, yeah. And some of that I can't describe, I, like it, because I think that's the magic part of it. Yeah, this movie I I described it on Letterboxd as a miracle. Um, it it's like it there's so much going on at, at the same time, and it all works so well. Yes, in a way in a way that makes you think about not only what the movie is saying, but also like what's happening in the movie, like just on a plot level as well. Uh, just everything that's going on is just firing on all cylinders, and there's there's so much. Uh, so much to be like impressed by, but so much to love and so much to like kind of reflect back on your own self about. And it's just, yeah, it, it's just a, an awesome movie. And, you know, w- one other thing I wanted to mention before we 
start getting into some puzzle pieces here is in the lead up to Charlie Kaufman's new film, uh, which of course he wrote Eternal Sunshine, but uh, it was directed by Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I wanted to try to cover at least one of his other films in the lead up to that. So I, I'm glad that we're getting a chance to do this today. <laughs> uh, th- this seems like the right one, even though adaptation I always cite as my favorite movie. Um, this seems like the right one to really break down puzzle pieces wise. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, I think so too. So this being a missing pieces, we're going to start off with some movies we think inspired it. And then we're going to look forward to some movies that we think maybe it inspired. So why don't we start off, though, with the ones we think inspired it? And what do you have for your first piece? So this was really hard in terms of what inspired it besides other Charlie Kaufman movies. But I didn't want to go that (laughs) route just because it's um, pretty obvious. Um, Of course, he would inspire himself. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made me just appreciate the fact that this is such a unique movie that I almost want to say that there's none that could have inspired it. <laughs> but that's how course, I feel whenever I talk about him. I mean, we just did the his novel Ant Kind, and I was like, you know, what am I even going to talk about here? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to cancel the pot. Like I, because I had told you, <laughs> but I realized that all the movies I chose are pro- are for the the second half of this of like the ones that inspired. Um, (laughs) But, you know, in in the sake of just um, trying to figure some out, I, um, and this one might be a stretch, but I tried to lean more into um, maybe the feelings I had when I first watched it and like other movies that really made me feel that way too. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the one I got was Donnie Darko, um, 2001. Just because it has that sci-fi element, which it's it's definitely a little bit darker. Um, it's not like a romance <laughs> drama, but it does have the sci-fi element, the time travel, um, kind of a few like timelines. Um, and then there is a romance story in there. And there's like a lot of um, like the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character just figuring out, you know, life and all this kind of stuff and i think um it just reminded me like the quotes from eternal sunshine and then of course like the music tears for fears and like sunshine has this like real um that one song um so not maybe exactly but it did have a lot going on for it uh, or a lot of different elements just Mm -hmm. like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind does so and it was one of the ones i used to watch alongside this movie so i think maybe that's why it also kind of um I just had to include it. <laughs> sure, sure. And, you know, I think I, I've only actually seen Donnie Darko one time, like back in college, and I may or may not have been a little stoned at the time and barely remember the movie <laughs> aside from it just being really weird. But with with that said, uh, I, I think it's a great setup for just a, a quick little tangent about the the fact that that is like, you know, it's, it's pretty like dark, weird, you know, movie. And a lot of people talk about Eternal Sunshine as being so sad. And while, yeah, I definitely uh, cried during it, uh, I also think it's also one of the most hopeful movies, depending on how you read it and like what it's trying to say about mm-hmm. relationships. And I, yeah. I think that's just such an interesting uh, relationship between those two, those two emotions, you know? Yeah, I mean, even discussing it... Um with a few people leading up to this podcast, one being my husband and he saw it in a different way than I did. And then I realized like, Oh, maybe I do see it. Like, I wonder how I'm going to see it, how I'm going to interpret it again. Mm -hmm. Um, now that I'm in a happy relationship and I used to watch it a lot when I was not in a happy relationship. (laughs) Um, but I still found it 
like you said, it is beautiful. Like at the very end, um, uh, when, you know, it's the last memory and it's like the first time they had met. And then Clementine says, um, this is it, Joel, what are we going to do? And he says, enjoy it. And I like, it just mm-hmm. makes it like, even now I got goosebumps and I want to like cry a little cause it's just you. It, and I, the way it's structured of you start, th- we see all the bad first and you're like, Oh, of course they weren't meant to be. And then like, it leads up as it's going erasing all to the good memories. And you realize like, even he realizes it while it's happening. It's like, oh, I don't want to get rid of these memories. It hurts so much, but I rather keep them. And yeah, I think the that's good why ones are worth it. Yeah, and I think that's like the hope part, right? Is like you'll be okay. You just got to yeah. get through like the shitty part of the breakup, but it's still you still got to hold on to those good parts. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm I'm going to go with my first piece, which another just classic, you know, romance relationship movie. Uh, it's 1977's Annie Hall, Woody Allen, and this is a, a another movie that takes like that kind of genre, but kind of did something original at the time with it, like something that you know maybe hadn't been seen exactly in that exact way of jumping around at different points throughout the story. And then also, of course, like a lot of like fourth wall breaking, which uh, we're not exactly fourth wall breaking here, but we are uh, doing all kinds of other weird crap <laughs> on the way that, yeah. that is messing, <laughs> messing up a, a, a regular narrative that you would expect from this kind of a movie. And the way that that kind of, uh, accents the the emotional moments of this in in kind of unexpected ways, but also just kind of perfect ways. I, I just think it it just kind of shows somebody uh, working at trying to tell a story and something that is definitely new, but also just feels so like real and and like real life, basically. Yeah, and still making it feel cinematic, so you still feel a little mm-hmm. magic. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, what what do you have for your next piece? So, I have Before Sunrise. Mm-hmm. So, um, Richard Linklater's um, Before Sunrise, which um, you know Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy when they happen to meet in Vienna and and um, have those long conversations um, going into kind of like the day in the life, right? Like the, just a day with someone and having a strong connection and not knowing like where it's going, but you're just enjoying it. Um, and I feel like it, it kind of set up the, like, I don't know if there had been a lot more of these. Um, I don't know. It's like a lot of the rom-com drama, that sort of thing. And I think this one really kind of paved the way in terms of like having these more complicated relationships that, like you said, it, it is hopeful, but it's not necessarily coming in the happy-go-lucky package of like, this is how you're going to find love. <laughs> um, right. And I loved it. So I, I think it, it definitely probably was, it feels like it um, could be in the same vein as Internal Sunshine. It doesn't have the sci-fi element. It's I think mm-hmm. it's more on a um, real-world kind of thing, which also makes it more magical that this could actually happen to you. So, But the in terms of just looking at a like two people talking and connecting um and we get to see that with um joel and clementine in their moments um unfortunately theirs is not as uh not as uh i guess easy breezy in some ways but um, sure. it's still a cool look into two people and um what that means in some ways yeah 
Absolutely. I, I actually also uh, had the before films as something I was thinking about for this conversation. And interestingly, the second one came out the same year, 2004, as this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that even though they're both like so different genre wise because, you know, of the, the crazy stuff that we're dealing with with Eternal Sunshine and the script, um, they, they both approach relationships from. A, an incredibly like real point of view of like just mm -hmm. this is the way people are in their relationships instead of a a Hollywood kind of a version of what relationships are like and and that's funny to say with a movie with Eternal Sunshine with like its big score <laughs> and like its yeah. big sci-fi elements and stuff but it really does feel like real dialogue between a couple at different moments in their life and it, it you know just speaks to that screenplay. Oh yeah. The writing is so good. It definitely, like I was thinking, man, it holds up <laughs> 16 years um, from the first time I've seen it, which made me feel really old. Cause I was like, Oh, that means I was like 16 when I saw it <laughs> um, <laughs> for the first time. And uh, yeah, it's still, it's so universal still. I think that's yeah. why it hits. So even though it's like a weird kind of film, like quirky film, I think just the messaging of it because of the writing and those real moments is why it's like, really um held its own for so long just like sure. the before trilogy absolutely well i will go with my next piece and uh i'm gonna go with the director who loves to play with time uh his name is christopher nolan and his 2000 <laughs> breakthrough memento which uh unfolds backwards and is a movie that i only actually ever saw once way back when it first came out but you know, that whole structure, though, th this movie, uh, again, that's the kind of thing Nolan loves is playing with multiple timelines and all that kind of stuff. And this movie does kind of unfold in like, I believe, three, although I guess it depends how deep you want to kind of dig into Eternal Sunshine. Uh, but I think three separate timelines that are kind of interlocking on each other, the dream, the the dealing with the procedure and then the actual day as it goes yeah. forward. So yeah, just that, that whole thing of, uh, playing with the timelines and then the, the dream one, uh, or actually the procedure one is the one that's like kind of moving backwards through all the memories. And so that, that made me think of Memento. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely the, the time kind of warp or, or, or different timelines, um, resembles eternal sunshine although this time watching it i did feel like maybe the um when they're erasing him feels more of like memories than time in some ways mm -hmm. like it is dealing with his memories and those are in a time frame or timeline but um yeah i don't know i i guess maybe that's why i don't think about like it's not as complicated as it seems because it's more about his memories and then it's just like the beginning part is like kind of um, and the middle and like the structure of it is a little um, uh, backwards in some ways, but I don't know. In interestingly, I was, I was, while we were waiting to uh, start this conversation, I was reading some random facts and I feel like this is a good time to throw one in, but, but uh, <laughs> I was reading that in his original screenplay, an idea that ended up getting thrown out as they were shooting uh, was that Clementine, as the memories are going further and further back, was going to kind of become a little bit more robotic in her performance. Um, and, and like, it's almost like losing a lot of the characteristics of who she is as, as we're getting deeper and further back into the memories. And that, that's kind of an interesting, uh, 
extra element of how to deal with that uh like kind of degradation of time you know and of of memories and how far back they go and how far back you can actually remember somebody you know which i I think is really interesting but at the same time i i prefer to see kate winslet just put on an awesome performance (laughs) yeah and like i mentioned um earlier it just becomes so much like her getting more sentimental as she realizes, you know, she's playing along with Joel. It's Joel's memories that are playing. You know, he's the one um, projecting onto this memory of her and mm. what she would possibly say. But she gets so much like she is so sweet, even more sweet at the end, because that's how he remembers her um, right. in those first mo- moments. And it and then it makes it that much harder to watch because you're like, oh, we want you to be together. But obviously we know why <laughs> you weren't. Um but yeah, I, I wouldn't have liked it if she was a robot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad they I, went I, against that. <laughs> yeah, that would that would have taken away a little bit from her character, I think, as as interesting of an idea as it is. But uh, okay, what, what do you got for your uh, next piece? Um, so I chose Punch Drunk Love, um, nice. 2002. Um, and it was just kind of, man, comedians like, and then Adam Sandler, as we've seen, um, in some of his work, um, (laughs) they can deliver just like such good performances when they're playing drama, um, Mm -hmm. and heartache and, you know, um, in these like relationship type movies. And he does that in, in punch truck love. And, um, I remember also watching that movie and be like, oh my God, that was so good. (laughs) Um, and then it just reminds me of like Jim Carrey's performance and, I lo- there are moments where he gets a little, you know, like the quote unquote Jim Carrey. Um, he has moments in Eternal Sunshine, but it it didn't it, like he plays it so well. Like I I love him as Joel. Oh yeah, and you feel like his heartache. Um, you know, he has like there's more to him. Like you know, if we had a backstory, but you can kind of just imagine maybe, and we see a little bit of it in the in his memories when he tries to go hide out, hide out with his mom, but like. <laughs> there's just something about comedians and, and them playing these really um, heartbroken characters in some ways. I think, I think because to be a comedian, you really have to go to those like places um, sure. to really be able to kind of uh, make fun of it. <laughs> um, but that kind of, it just resembled um, that to me and, and some of the story and direction. Um, and uh, yeah, that was mine. <laughs> No, I, I love that piece. I, I actually just recently rewatched it for the first time in many years, and uh, it is just absolutely fantastic. His performance is so damn good in it. And I, I think that that is also another really uh, uh, not traditional, you know, love story, <laughs> really, yeah. you know, in, in such a strange way. And uh, so, you know, that is definitely another parallel there. But also, uh, another thing I think that brings up an interesting point, which is that uh, Jim Carrey should have been nominated for an Oscar for this freaking movie. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I saw Adam that. Sandler lost out on his nomination as well as this year he lost out too. But uh, that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> the fact that Jim Carrey wasn't nominated—I mean, you know, Jamie Foxx and Ray, of course, you know, the, the fine, but he could have been one of the other five. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even watching it again, just I really felt like, wow, that was like one of the best performances I've seen him, you know, uh, I've seen and also the fact that it's from him. And yeah, it's it's really bad that he didn't get nominated. 
for that. I, I I thought he did, but then I just I saw that it was just Kate Winslet, and I was like, oh, that's shitty. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely ridiculous. Because I mean, it is such just a memorable performance, and it's a, it's just a just such a a full role with so much to 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 like kind of like dig into with this character and he really pulls it off and just i i find it to be just so damn memorable and the way that he goes uh, that he you know performs alongside with kate winslet is just the two of them together is just such a team oh man yeah and it's funny because you kate winslet is is doing the over the top performance and that's usually mm-hmm. Jim Carrey's. And that's why it's such a good, like, uh, I guess, uh, ju- juxtaposition. Cause you, you expect that from him and you're not getting it from him. And then so sure. as a, as a, as an audience member, you're like, what? And then, <laughs> and then, um, but it doesn't feel, um, like, cause you know, when people try to go really, um, try to be serious it can, it can feel inauthentic but with mm-hmm. him it just felt like he you can tell he's just it was good acting because i didn't feel like oh you're just trying to downplay your jim carreyness like no i could feel like he was really in there in the moment um and uh i don't know i just i love it so much <laughs> you know i don't know if this says more about uh me or the movie itself but i hadn't watched this in probably like 12 13 years something like that and i i used to you know love this movie i just hadn't watched it in a long time yeah um but the names joel and clementine just totally stuck with me and i think that that is just kind of says something about the just the way they've brought these characters to life in such a uh memorable way yeah that's true i um a former coworker of mine had a dog and named clementine and the first thing nice. when she told me um, was, oh, uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Sign. But that wasn't the reason she named her that. But for me, Clementine <laughs> will always be associated with this movie. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go with my last of the uh, inspired by pieces. And that is A Christmas Carol. Um, which I, I think just the whole going backwards, you know, the ghost of Christmas past taking Scrooge back to, you know, see all these moments in his life and learn from them. And we've got, uh, this, this weird sci-fi setup of, of Joel being taken back through his memories and, and learning from watching them unfold before his eyes. And there, there's a really interesting way of portraying that in which in some of these memories, he's kind of like acting along with them. And some of them, he's just kind of a bystander watching. And it's just, uh, it's really fun to see how he kind of, uh, navigates through the, these memories. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, for, like he, I was trying to, during this watch, I was trying to, I don't know. I, I know this movie like the back of my hand because I used to watch it so much. Mm-hmm. But then I was I I was really trying to be I mean sort of objective as much as you can be um, this time around to see if I saw anything else. But it was it was striking like he's such a complex character even though you think you have him figured out because I think there's so much more to him that we don't see in the movie. And because you know he's just so you see, like he's kind of depressed, or you I guess you see it that way, or he's just not a person like Clementine who's just so outgoing and wears his emotion on his sleeves. Which honestly, like I'm more like Joel. I um, don't say much. Like I really have to push myself to say things, even though I feel them. Um, and sometimes people used to tell me like, "Oh, you 
you're you're not telling me things i'm like what i've told you like a lot and it was like but for like an introverted person what like little things you say can mean like like you're saying the whole world right and i think sure. that's how joel was and i think that's why in some ways i was like oh you just seem like you're so down and sad and depressed i was like oh no like i've been i'm joel like it's just not misunderstood but you're just completely different in the way you approach I guess like relationships and also just the way you express yourself um, for whatever reason. I don't know what the backstory is for him. Um, but then when he would write it, he would draw it out. Um, and you see like, he's not just a robot. He does have emotions. He just can't express it. Um, and Clementine kind of really pushes him in the, all the bad ways in some, in some ways and also sure. in the really good ways and pulls out his um, personality where we see in, in some bits. But yeah, I think that's what's so good about it. Absolutely. So uh, do you have any other uh, pieces you wanted to mention here? Um, I, I was really trying to think um, to like some other, um, like I said, like the feelings of it. Cause I feel like this story is just so unique. <laughs> that it, mm -hmm. Like I have a lot on the back end. Um, but I remember just watching um, like, I was trying to think of my first, I used to watch a lot of um, romance um, dramas with my mom <laughs> Sure. And those were more Hollywood type thing. But I remember just uh, watching Love Story a lot uh, mm -hmm. from 1970. And even though that one's more, it's different and it's, it's, it's these two characters. But I just remember um, like the, the score of it. And with Eternal mm -hmm. Sunshine, um, it has such a unique score as well. And I feel like um, if anything sticks, like when you watch a movie, like 20 years after you watch it, I feel like that means something. <laughs> Um, and so for love story, I'll never forget that score, um, because it was just so like heartbreaking and, um, it, it just like, anytime I hear it, I'll think of my mom and I think of, you know, the two folks and, and, uh, or the two, um, characters and that one ends bad, you know, but, um, I don't want to spoil it if people haven't watched it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think music is such a big part of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And I feel like if it hadn't been this kind of quirky score that still is very though impactful in the way in in parts it needs to be like it pulls back the quirkiness and just goes in for the, all the emotion but yet in sure. a subtle way um i don't know if it would have i mean it was still would have probably been a good movie but i think it, it definitely is kind of a character in the film as well and for me the love story theme is like the ultimate kind of love story theme so it just kind of that's my correlation with that one nice nice yeah I, I don't think i've ever actually seen love story but uh as to the score though the john bryan uh his score for eternal sunshine is just absolutely fantastic and also that's another connection to punch drunk love uh john bryan also did that score as well which is also just equally strange but also just perfect you know it's like yeah. it, it, do it doing just these weird things that don't feel like they should work necessarily but they just absolutely do uh i i think that kind of it amps up like this this kind of like off weird kind of a feeling but while also perfectly underscoring what's happening i, I just think uh he's such a talented person yeah and i haven't really heard anything like that i mean i think i mean maybe i have but in the in the context of like this romance drama where it is more, I think it used to lean more like the love story type thing, like score, but this one is so quirky and 
feels like it shouldn't fit in some ways, but then I think that's the story too, right? Is like love doesn't fit the way you want it to. And it's sure. not just like this like classical thing all the time. And I think that's why it makes you feel uneasy and anxious, yet it's also so beautiful. And I think that's like love. <laughs> so Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So I, I think it's time to start looking forward now uh, to some movies that we think maybe Eternal Sunshine may have inspired itself. Uh, what do you have for your first piece looking forward? Oh, man, I have so many. So <laughs> good. Um, I, it but, sounds like you probably are going to have more than me on this. So OK, yeah, I was like <laughs> um, also just a side note, 2004 was a really good year for these type of movies. I just have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just name the ones from 2004 um, and then I'll, I'll leave the other ones for the for the next one. But um, so Garden State, um, Closer, we're 2004. Um, and uh, let's see, yeah, those two. Um, and it, it was kind of in the realm, I think that's why I remember that was a time where just like a lot of these movies were coming out that were doing different things with relationships and also mm. showing different characters in these relationships. Like Natalie Portman's character in Garden State kind of has um, inklings of like Clementine, you know, like not, I wouldn't want to say crazy, but just a little out there and quirky and um, showing us a different side to like the, you know, the rom-coms of like the perfect uh, uh, partner or, or girl who has like everything figured out. It's like, I love that these characters like Clementine and Natalie Portman's character in Garden State didn't have everything figured out. They were just kind of sure. normal and getting through life. Um, and then also, uh, coincidentally, um, Natalie Portman's also in Closer, <laughs> yeah. um, which that was one of my favorites as well. Um, just like the, f I don't even think I could understand it when I watched it when I was in high school. I didn't understand why I loved it so much. But the dynamic between all four of them and like the mixing of their relationships um, and just how complicated love can get and um, how you can hurt people as well. Mm. Um, I think that just kind of reminds me of um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind because you can love someone a lot, but you can also hurt them, which is dark, I know, but sorry. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I just think it's interesting. Like, I, you know, so many people point to, you know, different, different uh, eras in, in film, you know, but man, do I love the 2000s. <laughs> so, so many freaking great movies. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, w what do you want to point to for your uh, specific first one? 500 Days of Summer. Okay. Um, I think that there is some sort of um, time for a timeline going on with that because we go back in the days of, um, uh, what's his, I'll just say, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, I can't remember. But you know, he's going through the relationship of uh, I, I sort of like in the in 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 um, Joel's character where I think he might have also been thinking that Clementine and he says it in the movie was going to save him, which if you're mm -hmm. thinking someone is going to save you, then that's probably not going to be a good sure. thing. You got to go into a relationship like as a whole person and then you'll come together and make hopefully something even better. But no one is going to completely, um, unlike Jerry Maguire said, um, you should complete yourself. So, and that's something you learn as you go on, or maybe you don't learn it. And that's why, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I hope people, you know, have learned that. Um, but 
in 500 days of summer he oh tom his name was his character's name was tom definitely wants summer um to be that person for him and i just have to think like i don't know it definitely feels a bit like eternal sunshine and there's also kind of like the hues there's a lot of like the baby blues and there is a little bit of blue and like eternal sunshine and then of course like they have such a cool um soundtrack and um i don't know i think it just really kind of made it where tom seems like he's the good person in this and summer was made out to be a villain and then people there was like a retrospective of it where no tom was projecting all these things onto summer and she Mm. had already told him about these things just like clementine does in eternal sunshine where he when she says like hey i'm am this this and this and joel kind of just ignores it right and um just like tom does and then it kind of bites you in the ass later but then you realize um unlike you know there was no sci-fi erasing in 500 days of summer but there is like the hope that you talked about where at the very end he had to get over her and then he you know moves on to autumn (laughs) um and so it was like that hope of like oh you thought this was going to be the one it was it was beautiful but it was also heartbreaking but you had to get over it and then you're going to possibly find you know the better one and so maybe that's a more hopeful end to than like eternal sunshine and spotless mind but i i feel like they're just it, it definitely is in the same um category for me sure yeah and i i think that they're both even though it's not not like a sci-fi like thing mixed in with, with the romance i think it is looking at uh you know the romantic genre and trying to just you know not it's not enough to just make it a straight love story like to try really try to make something original with mm-hmm. with that genre which you know there there's plenty of great ones but at the same time there's so many that are just kind of like you know guy meets girl and you know <laughs> here, yeah here's does story. It, it really sets you up to fail <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you if you go off based off like the rom-coms <laughs> yeah absolutely so first one I'm going to bring up is uh, David O. Russell's The Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, uh, yes. Another favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great movie. And um, yeah, just, you know, another movie with very real people with very real problems and, you know, a, a relationship that, you know, seems potentially doomed, but, uh, you know, these people they connect you know and and we're along for this this unique different kind of a uh love story (laughs) and and again it's kind of like we were just talking about there with your last one it's like just trying to find a different way into the genre and doing something unique with it yeah that was that's also one of my all-time favorites i remember watching that so many times um i loved uh jennifer lawrence's character um i felt like she was really real in a sense of um she was like messed up and i feel like female characters always would get the shaft in terms of like in the romance um like in the rom-coms and those type of films and i love that she was um like literally she says you're just as crazy as i am or whatever and he's also crazy you know they make fun of each other for it but that's what brings them together and i don't know i just remember loving that movie so much as well because it just um came at it from a different um angle than the usual um all the rom-coms. I feel like we've gotten some gems in this, in the genre, but there's sure. definitely like, there's only a handful um, that have stuck with me. And that's all the ones we've mentioned are the ones. And, um, and then there's like all the in-between rom-coms, which, you know, have their own problems. But like, these are the ones that really just feel so real, even though they are kind of fantastical in some ways. 
Do you think before we move on to the next piece that we need to address the whole manic pixie dream girl thing with some of these movies we've mentioned? Or do you think that that kind of concept is like, whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I was watching watching it again, Clementine, um, I don't know. I, I feel like she is just, I don't know. All these characters that I mentioned, I don't feel that way. I um I think they're they're I can see myself in them in some ways. Sure. Um and maybe maybe that just is my answer. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't no. know. Maybe that's just Yeah, I've I've always felt it was a kind of unfair uh description because I mean, you know, a, as long as it's a well-drawn-out character, it makes for an interesting story and I mean, why can't a character have elements like that? Yeah, and also, um, if they're supposed to save the male, like the male character from himself, the the ones we mentioned don't. Sure, that's true. Um, and and so, like, I think, um, like Summer doesn't save Tom. I mean, he she saves him in an indirect way of like, hey, don't be an asshole, and like, tell like, don't project things on your partner, and don't like read into things that aren't there. <laughs> so she <laughs> does teach him a lesson, but that's not like her saving him. And then Clementine, I don't wouldn't really call what she does saving, um, because you know they're probably going to go down um, the same path possibly. And she's not yeah. changing who she is to save him. Like she is doing her own thing no matter what. And Joel is the one that literally goes along for the ride. Um, and so I wouldn't say that they're like manic pixie girls. <laughs> sure, I, I think that that is absolutely right. So, uh, wh- what do you what do you have for your next piece? Um, yeah, so I have like crazy that came out in 2011 with the late Antonio Elkin and Felicity Jones, and also Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and I remember watching that movie as well, and just um, it's kind of in the vein of like also once, which we talked about possibly doing as well. Yeah. Um, and I think like the 2000, 2010s had this, especially in the beginning, had this sort of like very indie, authentic kind of um, with these love stories. Um, and this one was just so heartbreaking for me because they're, um, uh, you know, Anthony Elkins in like Los Angeles and then she's um, in London and then they're, they fall in love, but then, the, you know, the green card issues and all that. And then they're kind of, um, they go through these periods in their life, but they always want to be with each other. And it's just like that um, authentic real life kind of stuff set to really good, also really good music score. Mm-hmm. And um, and also the the mood of the film is kind of like the yellow, I don't know, the t- I don't know, it just feels so warm and inviting where it just also makes, it's like a, also makes you feel like very heartbreaky. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, this movie I used to watch a lot as well with, alongside like Silver Linings Playbook. Absolutely. I I remember seeing it when it first came out. It's been forever since I saw that. But um, but yeah, no, I, I could totally see that. And like, I, you know, that is again, like these movies that are trying to really push the envelope within the genre and try something a little bit different. Um. So yeah, I, I like that a lot as a piece. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, so I, I didn't want to obviously, you know, start pointing out Charlie Kaufman films, but uh, I did want to point to a Michelle Gondry film uh, that is. Mm, yes. Uh, I believe it was his next film, The Science of Sleep, 
which yes. uh, also <laughs> kind of just deals with dreams and the way that they uh, they they kind of you know mesh into our own real lives and all that stuff and it's definitely got a little bit of a different um feeling to it but it's also very inventive and as far as the way michelle gondry is known for doing his effects which are all very like in camera not a lot of cgi or anything like that uh mm -hmm. it, it definitely he was like kind of continuing along that path i believe that he started with eternal sunshine to continue to come up with like all kinds of crazy uh practical effects like that and uh and dealing with dreams so yeah i actually have been thinking a lot about that movie because i i um i think i watched it in high school or college and it really um i think i i felt the same way and I, this is before i knew even who michelle gondry was and i had already watched eternal sunshine and so i i feel like there was a common denominator i just didn't know it <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> gravitating right. towards these films um and i've actually been really wanting to rewatch the science of sleep me too um, because i remember how it it definitely had an impact on me because i really liked the quirkiness of it but i liked the dream aspect of well which is always um so fascinating when done in a in in this type of way mm -hmm. uh it was even you know it makes it um i don't know it, it just makes it super cool so i I definitely want to revisit it. Um, and yeah, there's just a common denominator when I realized like, oh, Michelle Gondry's in like a lot of movies I love and Charlie Kaufman too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, his stuff is, I just love like creative, like things yeah. like that. It's just so awesome that somebody's coming up with just such interesting new ideas like that. It's just great. But uh, what do you got for your uh, next one? Um, so I have, um, well, this is a TV show. I don't know okay. if that counts. Sure. Um, but I, I was talking to you about it. Uh, Normal People that just actually recently came out um, on Hulu. And that one, if you're talking about the same feelings I had with like Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and like all these other ones that I just mentioned, that one was um, six hours or whatever because they're 30 minute up 12 30 minute episodes. So however long that is, um, of just emotional roller coaster, um, of, of, of love story and like going through these two people's lives, um, set in Ireland though, too. So it's different, like, a uh, uh, lingo that I'm, you know, not used to watching. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was cool to see like the different backgrounds of them going through Europe and, and all that. And, and just like different scenarios, which I think kept it fresh and also, um, the but the insight to their relationship was something like i've never i think it is really a fun exploration that i think the movies that we've mentioned um started and i'm glad that it's still continuing because sure um in this one it was more also from the point of view of um like the guy it, it definitely opens up more you know with the mental health um aspect which we don't get to see a lot of men opening up about mental health sure. and also their feelings and being an introvert. Um, well, that's the common denominator introvert and all these <laughs> Joel. Um, but yeah, it was just so beautiful and it was real. And, and like the title says, normal people. Um, and I definitely found myself longing. Um, I mean, like go, looking back at earlier relationships, um, in my life and just like what they meant to me and like the first love. Cause this is definitely like a first love type of show. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I think that's why it, it hurts so much. Like when you, when you watch it, cause I think you think about your first love or whatever and just those real moments, there was a lot of like real moments, um, 
that we don't get to see on screen like her talking about her period or like whatever you know like when they're just like in bed and you're like oh my god like but it, it just it was like normal um and that doesn't happen in a rom-com you know <laughs> sure yeah um but it's real and um I'm, everyone probably has gone through that so i i i describe it as like you'll fall in love then i'll break your heart and then i'll repair it a little bit and then you're gonna it's gonna break your heart again <laughs> and i think all these movies um that we described i think like at least for the ones i chose do that to me and i kind of love it i don't know if that's a weird thing to say but <laughs> it makes sense to me a lot of my favorite music is the same way so yeah and, and it's, it's funny because like i feel like i'm not even i'm not able to even describe these because i think like what i said in the beginning is like eternal sunshine like in my mind it's one of the greatest movies and had such a big impact on me as well as like like crazy silver linings playbook um normal people now um and and a few others and i find it so hard to put the words to how i feel and i think that's a good sign because i think it might be something that's like really personal that it right. just is with you and so i might sound like people are gonna be like i don't even know what you're saying because you're not describing <laughs> it really well it's like well i think that's what movies do they're so personal and i'm sorry i can't give it justice but like i think that's why they've had such a big impact on me and i hope one day i can maybe have the words to explain it a little bit better but i think that's maybe the beauty of all of these that they hit so so hard <laughs> i feel like we'd have uh, similar trouble finding the words to explain like past relationships exactly what they meant to us and, yeah. and you know for for a movie to also do that that's uh that's pretty powerful Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah so normal people i'm gonna have to check that out it sounds really great i've heard great things about it i haven't seen it yet though um but i will go with my next one and so i think you know eternal sunshine i'm not sure if anyone had done a movie up until that point where there is some new technology that lets you erase memories from your mind. I'm assuming not, but you know, it seems like a fresh new brand new sci-fi idea and those are kind of hard to come by. And a mm -hmm. lot of the times you can kind of say, Oh, that something very similar was done in this, you know, old sci-fi movie or something. So I, I thought of the 2015 Yorgos Lanthimos film, the lobster, uh, and the very strange <laughs> concept that you're given 45 days to find a new romantic partner or else you're turned into an animal, <laughs> which is just absolutely insane. Uh, and it's a very different movie tonally, although it, it, it there's, you know, there's some very absurd humor within both films for sure. There's definitely some dark comedy in there. Uh, but mainly I'm just thinking of just the idea of actually managing to come up with a brand new seeming sci-fi idea to base a movie around. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet, but I, 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 I've, um, heard about the concept. And so I'm curious, I just need to, I need to watch it. I'll try to watch it after, it's <laughs> after crazy. this, if it's kind of in the same vein of like being super original, um, mm -hmm. I, I love that. Yeah, it, it, I just, I guess I hadn't really thought about it in a while that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is just so original. I'm so glad it won that original screenplay because it definitely deserved it 10 times oh, over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's just a testament to Hoffman's writing that like it still is real hard for me to describe and also um, um, that it holds up so well in 2020, which I mean, a lot of things don't hold up as well as, as 16 years ago. So totally. Kudos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got next? 
Um, well, it's one that we might talk about, but once, um, 2007, mm-hmm. uh, Irish romantical musical drama. Um, and that one definitely just like normal people. I, I don't know. Maybe I have something with Irish yeah, <laughs> and, <right>? and, and <laughs> just like, um, authentic, uh, portrayals of romance. Um, this seems to be like my soft spot. <laughs> well, the lobster um, was shot in Ireland, I believe. So uh, then, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a triple feature. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing that one and like, of, of course, well, the soundtrack is amazing because it's the, the two, um, uh, Glenn Hansard and, and Marquetta or Glova and, um, they're the real life musicians. And then they're like, their acting's not the best, I will say, <laughs> but it, it kind of, it's super charming, um, because yeah. it definitely feels so, uh, like it's really cute and like you see them falling in love and you see them in these very like mundane things, like just, you know, struggling to make it and, um but then their songs oh my god they're it's so powerful um, I, I love them so much oh, yeah i um i remember listening to that soundtrack over and over and over again in college and through you know in addition to like i had a lot of good movies at least to help me cope with all like the ups and downs of college life and relationships <laughs> in the mid-20s um and so these movies really hit hard for me because i just remember putting them in like an on endless loop. They were like my therapy <laughs> during those times. Um, and then I listened to, um, I listened to it uh, uh, recently and I was like, Oh my God, it just takes you back. Um, yeah. And I think movies that you see in a certain time frame that really like have an impact on you, not only because they're a good movie, but because you went through something during that time as well. That is so like embedded with that memory of watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, is so crazy to me and i think um yeah it's still when i when i hear that soundtrack as well as like watch these movies it takes me back to the exact same space but now luckily looking back at it from a um a good perspective um Mm -hmm. because i'm in a happy relationship but um (laughs) yeah i don't know so interesting yeah but such a good movie yeah and i love that movie i love that music and absolutely it's just so evocative of like you know a certain time and you really just kind of connect with that and i think that that you know to the 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 real kind of um you know message within eternal sunshine is those memories and you know how important they are so i think that also makes it a really really good pick a uh, really good thing to bring up bring up something that has so so much to do with music and so much to do with uh you know, bringing you back to that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's great. So I, I don't have any more regular pieces, but I did want to, in, in place of a piece, I wanted to just kind of, uh, almost a cheat a little <laughs> bit here, but I, I went, uh, to, to our website, piecingpod.com and it did a little search for any time we mentioned eternal sunshine of the spotless mind on a previous piecing it together episode. And so I've got a list of all of the movies that we talked about eternal sunshine on. And so I'm not going to go deep into why we brought it up on each one. So I'll just say to the listeners, if you want to find out why one, either me or one of my guests thought eternal sunshine could have been an inspiration for one of these movies, go listen to those episodes. <laughs> um, so the, the movies are, and it's actually quite a few. It's eight oh, of wow. them. Um, Sorry to Bother You, Serenity, Captain Marvel, The Farewell, Bloodshot, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Palm Springs, and Charlie Kaufman's novel, Ant Kind. So, uh, yeah, those, all of them are, are things that we talked about, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then, of course, combined with the stuff we're talking about right now, I, you know, I think the movie 
definitely uh, has, has, you know, been pretty influential in a way. Yeah, I definitely think doing this episode just made me realize how it hasn't been beat. Although there's been some really good movies after it in this genre, it's still mm-hmm. the number one in my book of just like subverting um, kind of those expectations of what a rom drama, what like a romance drama could be and also a sci-fi movie um, and mm-hmm. just like mixing so many things while being so insightful about relationships um, and also having like these side stories that are also just as impactful of like being shitty to, you know, uh, and, like all sorts of like different relationship dramas within this movie too, um, which I, when I saw it again, blew my mind even more and made me love it even more. <laughs> Um, yeah, was like, it yeah. was a lot of very so timely much. stuff with everything, everything with like Me Too right now, and like the whole mm-hmm. thing with, with the doctor and uh, Kristen Dunn's yes. character. I mean, there's so many different levels at play, so many different things happening. Everything with Mark Ruffalo was great. Oh, yes, <laughs> and then I love Elijah Wood playing against his type of like uh, oh, being yeah. the nice guy, and he's like plays an asshole so well, <laughs> oh. so well. Oh, so good. Oh, it's I love that movie so much. So any others that you want to kind of just throw in there to uh, to wrap it up? Yeah, there was also one um, called uh, Cashback in 2007. Um, it was um, just like a, I, I don't, I don't know if people know him, but he was like the, the Quidditch guy in Harry Potter. He's in it, Sean Biggerstaff, and I had a big crush hmm. on him. Um, but he's basically a, a would-be artist. And um, so he, but he works at a grocery store and then he has the he's going through a breakup and then he has this ability to, to stop time and explore the world while everyone just like remains frozen in place. So he basically gets like an extra eight hours to do anything he wants. Um, hmm. And then he starts like having a romance with his coworker and like there's just like a lot of um, um, like nuances to it. I don't know. I remember it. I remember loving it so much um, as well. It's kind of like in the. It, it was before like crazy, but sort of like that same indie type field of like romance drama that is still um, very like insightful um, and just like makes you if if you can relate to some of the stuff, it just hits you a little harder. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it in a while. So but I just remember watching it a lot over and over again. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it kind of is those um, those hard hitting romance dramas like Eternal Sunshine. But of course. Eternal Sunshine is always going to be the number one. <laughs> That's number one. I'm I'm with you. And I actually never even heard of Cashback. That sounds uh, interesting. Yeah, although I'm not sure how much it... Um, I, I know uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. And I don't know if it's going to hold up in 2020 because one thing he would do is like he would stop like the ladies in um, like when he stopped time and like would like... Because uh, he was an artist. So he would like raise, like take off their clothes some in, in a way and then paint mm. them. So I don't think that holds up. <laughs> Yeah. But the other part of like, I, I don't condone that now that I look back at it, but it was like he was trying to see the beauty in, in them and like stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it was the 2000s. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, guys. Like, I'm not trying to be like against me too, but I were like, you know, that part of thing. But um, it, it was in a different sense. Yeah. But I know people might like see the trailer and be like, what? You're right. Yeah. No, that, that is definitely, uh, that is definitely a, a difficult plot point to kind of gloss over a little bit but yes but it, yeah yes. no it's, yes. it sounds like a really interesting movie though for sure yeah 
<laughs> so I will go ahead and list out everything that we just talked about for the finished puzzle, and that includes Donnie Darko, Annie Hall, the Before Trilogy, Memento, Punch Drunk Love, A Christmas Carol, Love Story, 500 Days of Summer, The Silver Linings Playbook, Like Crazy, The Science of Sleep, Normal People, The Lobster, Once, and Cash Back. So you know, we, we've been talking about this this whole time about just how this really takes the, you know, the, the romantic drama and just really does something interesting and unique with it by blending it with sci-fi and and just just a really incredible screenplay, really, when it comes down to it. Um, do you have do you have any other closing thoughts that you wanted to mention that we maybe didn't get to? Um, no, I don't I don't think so. I think I just um, it did make me question it um in the fact that or in the sense of that question would you erase someone sure you know <laughs> um and i kind of uh, look back and be like would i have erased someone and would it have made me a completely different person not having that experience um and also the notion that even if you erase someone will you end up going back to them and it's not a good thing um because my husband made the point where he was like if you and you know if you broke up like he wouldn't go back to his girlfriend. You know, he never did like the text back or whatever. He's like, no, it was over for a reason. Had three weeks of like heartache and then, um, you know, moved on. Mm -hmm. And I found that so like blunt, but also like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like maybe you shouldn't, like if you broke up for a reason, like a big reason, like they did, um, maybe it wasn't meant to be, but then they're going to go through the movie and kind of insinuates that they're going to go through it again, right? And maybe have learned something, but maybe not. Right. So like that endless circle of like, maybe there's a reason why you shouldn't erase people because you got to learn from it. <laughs> you got to move on. So I don't know. I find those questions. It, I love that this movie now is still making me question, like th have those questions of like relationships and like, what would you do? And um, the endless, um, I don't know, thoughts on, on that sort of thing. And I, I, I love that now I'm thinking about, um, thinking about it from a new perspective mm -hmm. um it where i'm at in my in my life um and I, I love that it's still giving me so much um even after 16 years that's the best kind of movie the kind that you just keep thinking about those questions with uh that's just that's an amazing it's like a freaking gift honestly um i i love that i only other thing i wanted to mention is just like a, a a quick little throwaway scene that like just absolutely made me tear up so damn hard is when uh jim carrey first goes to for, to the um the office and there's a lady that's clearly getting ready to erase her dog buster from her memory oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i just oh my god freaking charlie kaufman man <laughs> yeah oh my god i um <laughs> so good i want to I, I after this i just want to go and watch adaptation again yeah it's the best you should do that <laughs> <laughs> so is there another movie you watched recently you'd maybe like to recommend to our listeners well i actually just started i finished um this is sort of a if you haven't watched it yet then you would have to watch it but um i uh lucifer the the most recent season season 5a just uh, got released and um i had binged 
the first four seasons just on a whim. I think I just needed something to watch and I call them like show holes. Um, and then I'll find like a show like Lucifer where it will, you know, it'll kind of like fill the void a bit until I, the other, um, you know, more critically acclaimed shows come in. But then I found that I really enjoyed Lucifer and, um, it has a lot of, uh, there's definitely like the romance drama, uh, between Lucifer and, and, um, the detective on the show. So, I guess even in like the weird kind of um, throwaway shows, I still find like the romance drama at the center of it. Um, Can't help it. Um, And so, and then season five is just like, uh, it was really good. I I finished binge watching it and um, it was definitely different than I thought. It was a lot more of the, the relationship between these two characters and a lot of questions about like free will, a choice because, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in it, but, um, I don't know. And it, it, it's fun. Like if you just want like a fun show to watch and maybe have on the background, but also sort of get invested in it, I would recommend Lucifer. It's, it surprised me. And also it started off as a network show on, on, uh, NBC, which was surprising that I liked it. And then it moved on to Netflix. So it's gotten a little, it had a little bit more room to explore things and be a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, not scandalous, but just, uh, more freedom than than the network you know parameters so i don't know i recommend it i like it and uh the guy who plays lucifer tom ellis i mean he's so hot so if that helps (laughs) (laughs) that 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 is a my tidbit awesome awesome well uh it is time for where i usually ask my guests to uh plug whatever they're working on but i just realized at the beginning of the show i didn't uh i I forgot to mention you started a new podcast since the last time you've been on the show haven't you yes i started well co-started with uh rosa who's been on the show Mm -hmm. from rosa's reviews and we started a podcast um latinx lens which basically we're wanting to highlight um, Latinx filmmakers, um, actors. We we kind of, when we go into those deep dives, we will select filmography from them and discuss them through the, that filmography just because, you know, they some have so much. Um, but we would just want to highlight things that don't get talked about as often. Mm-hmm. And then also through our lens of um, being women of color, we're also doing uh, reviews of new, new, new things as well, like new movies that are out and, and all that. And eventually, hopefully we'll bring on um, guests to bring on their different lenses so they can talk about uh, movies and representation. Sure. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes, but it's been really fun so far. And I've actually learned a lot on my own because um, I'm Mexican American, but I haven't really, I wouldn't really talk about it, not in a way of like um, being ashamed or anything. Just, I just didn't um, really kind of lean into it because right. I am who I am and that is inherently mexican-american and these um episodes have really kind of forced me to really um like go back to my childhood and it's been fun going down that like nostalgic road and um kind of tapping into that side of myself sure through these movies and so it's just it's it's been a growing experience for me and i hope we have been giving some folks um some insight as well yeah no i I think you're doing awesome with the show oh well thank you yeah i try not to get uh we're not trying to get a. we had a lot of we had a really good response to it which i think is good and also is kind of showing the lack of people uh you know uh with representation um but it definitely feels like a lot more pressure now yeah um, but in a good way. And I think it's, um, just all about like learning and growing and, um, hopefully people get something out of it. And I know I'm getting so much out of it. Yeah. I think people are really enjoying it from what I've seen. And like the, the episodes I've listened to so far are really great. So I'm uh, really excited for you guys and, and happy that I'm happy the two of you are doing that. It's just, it's great. You know, <laughs> it's just great. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here again. And uh, I, I look forward to doing it again, whether or not we do once or we find another one to do. But uh, definitely looking forward to the next time. Yeah. Happy to be back. Always fun. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street, our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So, join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember, folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Thank you to my guest, Kat, for joining me on that one. It was, like I said at the top of the show, it's just been great getting back into all these Charlie Kaufman projects and... uh, I, I hope it's not too long before we get to talk about another Charlie Kaufman film. But uh, yeah, that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, I ask that you please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser to let us know what you're thinking of the show. And follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Check out our website too, piecingpod.com. I, I'm still planning on doing some more contests over there. So get you know get signed up for the mailing list. I'm gonna do some contests. I just gotta figure out the right way to do them because I, it sucks like doing a contest and then it's like you get three entries or something like that. I want to do one where we get a bunch of entries, get a nice little competition going, you know. So once we figure out how to do that, I got stuff to give away. I I'm I'm gonna I wanna make this interactive. I want you guys to have some fun with it. So uh, a couple little announcements, actually three uh, here to finish the show off. This will be a little longer of an ending spiel than usual. But uh, first of all, you guys know I also compose music. And if you've been listening to the show a lot lately, you know that I have a new album coming out in October, on October 4th, actually, called David Rosen. It's just a self-titled album. It's my sixth album, and I'm incredibly proud of it. I mean, I truly believe this is the best album I've ever put out, and I'm, I'm so excited to share it with you all. And this episode is going up actually two days after the release of the first music video from that album. It's for a song called Multiply. The video was created by a visual artist named Tobias Steiner, and that video is available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash musicbydavidrosen, or of course you could just go to my website, bydavidrosen.com, and check it out there. This is a really cool, kind of uh, abstract, uh, computer-generated, visual, just awesome video. It is just so cool. I'm so excited that it's out there and I'm so excited to share it with everybody. Please check it out. I'd love to know what you think of it, of the song, of the video. Uh, I'm really proud of this thing. Please go check it out. It is called Multiply. Uh, Second thing is I just found out a couple of days ago that I was accepted into the Las Vegas Film Critics Society. So that is just super cool. Um, you know, it, it 
is just, it's awesome. I, I love doing this podcast. Obviously, I have spent, you know, these last 20 years forging a career forward as a music composer. But the funny thing is, is I started off like really interested in film and in film criticism. I, I used to write for our UNLV school paper. I wrote film reviews there. I also was on the UNLV TV channel reviewing films on camera back. This is God, like 15, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. So this has always been something that has interested me. Uh, I tried to launch a website doing film reviews for a while, but I just never quite got it off the ground. So now that I'm actually, you know, actively covering films in this podcast format, the fact that I've been accepted into this uh, society is just so cool. And I am looking forward to continuing to grow the podcast, continuing to cover more movies. Hopefully, uh, being a part of this will help in that and in, in getting access and uh, timely coverage to you know all kinds of new movies. So I absolutely look forward to the future of this show and to continuing to grow you know, as a critic and to continue building what it is I'm doing here. So just wanted to announce that officially, and I'm just really excited for where that's going to take us. And uh, the last thing, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of the great romantic movies. So I figured this is as good a place as any to mention that this weekend was supposed to be my wedding to my beautiful fiance Gina. Who does all my photos, and you've heard on the show once or twice. She was on the episode 100 where she interviewed me. Was she on another time? She might have been. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, that, of course, was postponed due to COVID uh, till May, May 1st, actually, of next year. Hopefully, the world has gotten a little better and we can actually have our wedding then. But, uh, you know, we're not really making this public, but uh, most people don't listen to the ending of podcasts anyway, but we're actually going to go elope this weekend and do the wedding on the day it was supposed to be on Saturday, so we will be married. We just aren't going to really make a big deal about it on on social media or anything like that, but, you know, you're, you're dedicated listeners actually listening this far into the episode, so yeah, uh, if you're hearing this I'm getting married this weekend, so that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, let's close this thing out with a piece of music. And, you know, I kind of want to play something from the new album, but at the same time, for a movie like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I think the perfect song to end this thing on is a track called Moving Backwards, which was on a free album that I put out, one of these bonus track collections on my Bandcamp profile called Further Into the Dark. And Moving Backwards, I think, uh, encapsulates the feeling of going through Joel's mind in Eternal Sunshine. So let's close it out with Moving Backwards, and I'll play something from the new album on the next episode. But we will be back with more Piecing It Together coming up next week.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.